Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back again to another podcast of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. So today we're actually going to do something pretty cool. Uh, we're going to dive into the world of backtesting. Um, I'm going to do this together with Joran. Hey, Joran. Hello. Joran actually did something pretty awesome. A couple of weeks back, I found his website, his tool for backtesting for European investors on the subreddit for FIRE. It's like, what the heck is this? Somebody actually built a, a free tool to use where I can backtest my portfolio run all kinds of analysis and that really intrigued me and then Joran reached out and I was like hey yeah we should totally do an interview in this and kind of dive into get together um, to the point of you know what the heck did he actually start the service uh, why is he offering it how can we use it advantages of backtesting and kind of go from there and have a conversation on it but before I ramble on Joran could you maybe introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about yourself how did you came in touch with financial independence the world of investing uh, yeah bring it on Sure. Hi. Yeah, I'm happy to be uh, on this podcast. So a bit about myself. So I am uh, 30 years old and about uh, six years ago, I started a uh, company in education with uh, two co-founders. So it's been, yeah, growing pretty well since then. We have over a million teachers and students across the world using our, our platform. So how I came into uh, financial dependence is that about two, like three years ago, I had some you know, some significant savings on my, uh, my saving account. Um, and then I was just looking at the interest rate I was getting every year and it was just, it was just so low, like less than a half percent. Um, so then I started thinking, you know, can I, can I do something about that? So I started, um, reading about, about investing. Um, I didn't know much about it until then. Uh, so for me, investing, you know, my mind was purely like, you know, you, you invest in the stock market, um, you buy and sell stocks, hopefully at the right time. Uh, but pretty soon, yeah, it, it became apparent that index index investing was really the way to go um, for investing on the long term. Um, so yeah, I started uh, diving a bit deeper uh, deeper into it. Then I uh, read quite a few books. Um, I read a lot of blogs and then scoured the internet for forums for information about you know taxes and all that and then i set up an account and uh, started doing it nice one and like over the years um so you've been just investing so you started out with individual stocks right so are you still picking individual stocks or are you like full on etfs right now my main investments are, are really etfs then i have like some play money which is really yeah like the name says just for uh, kind of for fun to invest in stocks but it's, it's nothing serious and I, I really don't expect to make uh, a giant profit on there. Gotcha. And are you going for VWRL or any other specific trackers you're investing in yourself? Yeah, so my portfolio has, um, it's, it's a bit more uh, complicated. So I have uh, five different funds. Actually, on my website, I also uh, put which, uh, which funds are in my portfolio. So I have about 20% in bonds. So those are uh, uh, government bonds of developed uh, countries hedge to uh, hedge to euro. Then I have a portion about ten percent, which is real estate, so REIT, and then the rest is equity, which is split between MSCI World, MSCI Emerging Markets, and MSCI Small Cap. Nice one. What is the reason for dividing your portfolio up like this? Is it because of superior performance, or do you have some kind of like inside knowledge why 
this is a better way to go than just 100% VWRL or mixing it with like a bond fund and just 80% VWRL? No. So um, when I started this portfolio, I, I came to it through a book called All About Asset Allocation by Rick Ferry. So basically, I just, uh, yeah, I just followed this portfolio. In retrospect, I kind of uh, regret and not really regret, but I know, I see now how, what the advantages are for having a, a simpler a simpler portfolio with like just two or three funds uh, rather than five, you know, transaction cost wise and also just administration. So I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, like merging those three, uh, three funds into, into one. Uh, but for now I'm, I'm keeping it as it is. Gotcha. But I think you can make a fair call on actually copying others and their approaches. Um, investors from Seeking Alpha and the Motley Fool, I for the last decade, I've copied tons of their strategies and approaches. They're far smarter than me and I've earned quite a reasonable sum based on their recommendations. And again, also mainly in my case with play money and majority still goes into ETFs because that's the safest and best long-term way to go. But I don't think it's wrong to sometimes follow others' advice if they're smarter than you or they have ways that have proven themselves in the end. Um, and I think that's also a nice way of kind of like pivoting into one of the main topics of uh, this episode, which is actually backtesting and your website, uh, backtest.curvo.eu. Could you tell us a little bit about it? You already mentioned it earlier in the beginning, but what is it? What's the point of it and how can people use it? Yeah, so maybe it's interesting to uh, to kind of tell the whole story of, of how, I, how I created it. Please go for it. Yeah, so w- when I started investing, one thing I, I did notice is that there was a, a lack of um, information for specifically for European investors. You probably knows yourself, like the vast majority of all the books and all the resources online are, are really focused on Americans, but we don't have things like 401ks or Roth IRAs. And, you know, we don't really care about that either. So then I, so when I was investing and kind of diving into it, I thought it would be useful to share my, uh, share my experience on my, on my personal blogs. I've, I'd had a personal blog for like, uh, past 10 years or so. So I started writing on that. And then I kind of, once, once my portfolio was set up, I was like, hmm, you know, what, what should I write about? I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of dive deeper into the portfolio. Like I'd read about things like, you know, sharp ratio and look at your historical performance. And like, for instance, you know, for, uh, in the books that I read, they also always show like, oh, you know, the S&P 500 has been giving like a 9.8% return over the last 50 years. So I was like, well, What's that for me? What's that for my portfolio or the indexes that we have in, in Europe? So I started kind of diving deeper into it. But for that, I needed to, to have a, a tool that, with which I could simulate the, the circle performance and also you know, give me the numbers like the Sharpe ratio or like uh, look at the annual returns from the past. And um, so again, like I, you know, I searched online, but I couldn't really find a tool like that to do that. So... Uh, since I'm a software developer myself, I decided, well, I'll just build it myself. So I looked for all the historical data of the indexes in my portfolio. And then I, uh, I just wrote a little, a little simulator. So that was the first blog post I wrote about uh, diving deeper into the um, historical performance of my portfolio. Then I did a subsequent one on the, where I looked at the Sharpe ratio of my porf- uh, portfolio. And so I had to extend the tool a little bit. And then I did one about um, testing different rebalancing strategies and kind of see which one is the optimal for the last uh, 40 years on my portfolio and extend a bit more. Then I was like, hey, actually, this is 
is pretty pretty damn useful uh, for anyone who's interested in in kind of seeing uh, how his, his portfolio has performed in the past. Like you say, you know, most of us have have composed our portfolio just based on advice that we get from from other people and like recommendations stuff we read online. Um, but you kind of take for granted that you know this has worked in the past. But I just wanted to see it for myself, and I thought others would uh, would want that too. So then I uh, I kind of yeah spent a weekend just spent a weekend coding <laughs> uh, to release it uh, f- for the public, and that was uh, like end of July. I think I released it on. Um, I first uh, talked about it on on Reddit, um, and yeah, the the feedback was was really good. Nice one. I was also um, that's where I first actually found your tool over there, and I saw, saw dozens of people actually responding to it. Uh, combination of really good user interface feedback and tons of people actually re- um, requesting, please add my fund, please add my fund. Um, one thing I actually find pretty interesting when you're saying, okay, you know, we always kind of presume or assume. Hey, my fund will return or has returned 12% over the last um, whatever years or over the last 50 years on average. Um, but we assume we somebody tells us, okay, this is the return. So this will also happen in the future or this has actually happened in the past. And having the, uh, the tools available to actually test it ourselves, I think that would be yeah, foolish not to do. Because if you rely or base your entire future on this, on those returns, uh, doing a little bit of research and in this case backtesting um i think would be highly advisable uh i've done a sensor i have done it myself based on um the different stock portfolios and dividend portfolios i've got but never actually on the etf one i had running um and i use your tool for the first time for that and it was really interesting just to see okay what can i expect based on the past um and even if i discount those results by 50 percent or whatever what is a reasonable outcome to work with for any forecasts we make? So one thing I'm actually curious about, when you did all your backtesting, was there anything in you kind of like you found out where you're like, okay, all the websites tell me this and this is the return, but it's actually just not true? Or maybe more like surprises like, okay, everybody tells me it's 12%, but actually effectively over 50 years, it was only eight, something like that? Well, one thing I did, I can't remember like any specific funds where I was like, Surprise! One thing actually that was why I found it very useful for myself was that I recently wrote, uh, read an article where they analyzed the returns on small cap stocks. And so it turns out that, you know, if you divide stocks, companies into two, um, two categories, one is like the value stocks. So the, the more established companies who pay dividends. And then on the other end, you have growth, uh, growth stocks. Then, um, most of the, the good side of a small cap index comes from the value stocks. So ideally, you don't even want the growth stocks in your portfolio, which I do, <laughs> which I do, unfortunately. Um, so then I was like, oh, well, maybe I can test it out and just replace my uh, small cap funds with a small cap value um, fund. And so I did that. And indeed, like the, the sharp ratio increased. So the, the return increased a little bit and then its volatility uh, decreased as well. So it, it kind of, yeah, proved uh, with the data what, what, what that article was saying. Um, so that was kind of cool. Very nice one. And it shows again, uh, don't take everything for granted in terms of returns, but actually do your own research. One quick question, actually. You've mentioned the Sharpe ratio a, a couple of times. Could you maybe explain what it means and in terms of that improving? Kind of like, what does it offer for your portfolio? 
Yeah, sure. So shop ratio is a is a concept where you basically introduce the notion of risk in uh, measuring the performance of a uh, of a portfolio. So normally, you know, when you look at the performance of a portfolio, you look at its its average annual return. Um, say it's been you know returning ten percent every year since over the last uh, fifty years. But um, the way you earn that ten uh, percent actually matters. So if it's really consistently every year you earn 10% uh, where you basically have no volatility, that's really good. On the other hand, if like one year it goes up by like 40%, the other year it goes down by 30% and like it, it goes wild, then that's a very risky investment. So when you compare the two, the first option is going to be way better. So the first one will have a, a way higher uh, sharp ratio, whereas the second one um, his sharp ratio, even though he has a good like ten percent return, the sharp ratio will be penalized by the the high volatility, which is basically risk. Gotcha. So for either people who are risk averse and want to keep their profiles or profiles portfolio stable, quite managed to just simply check. Okay, what's the historical sharp ratio of my portfolio? What has it been over the long run? And if you're conscious of okay. If I would see a 50% drop, it would actually make me sell whatever I've got or just affect my emotional well-being. That's actually quite worth just, you know, as a basic metric to check. Um, and obviously things like expense ratios, NAVs, and also sharp ratios, volatility, um, a few, few really basic metrics as investors, even if you do not really want to be an accountant and learn every possible thing about it, they're pretty easy to understand and just kind of like dig into and get an idea about just, you know, to get an idea of what's going to happen on the long run in the future. Would there be any other metrics you would say that are worth kind of like mentioning for like in general ETF investors, like besides sharp ratio or expense ratios, any other ones you would be like, okay, guys, just, you know, this would be really worth checking out if you're even the slightest interested. As a passive investor, one thing you do need to, where, where you are partially active is your rebalancing uh, strategy. So, you know, you have a, a portfolio of, say, bonds and stocks, then it's normal that your balance over time will, um, or the composition of the portfolio will kind of go out of balance. Your stock may, may grow a lot and then the bonds will not grow so much. And so you need to kind of bring the balance back. The question then becomes, like, how often do you do that? Um, and there are, like, several uh, strategies for that. Either you do it every six months, you do it every year, every two years, or you say, well, whenever it goes like 5% out of balance, 10% or 20% out of balance. Um, so effectively, um, even though you're a passive investor, uh, choosing when to rebalance is, is kind of active management. You have to time the market in a way. Um, and so using my tool, actually, I figured um, there's a section where uh, you can test the impact of different rebalancing strategies on the, um, on the performance of your portfolio. And so one, one, I, would, I would recommend you check that out for your, uh, for your case. Um, one thing I learned is that it's actually better uh, for your performance uh, to rebalance less often rather than more often. Um, so it's actually better to rebalance every three years than every six months. Um, so it's kind of, a bit counterintuitive, um, but I imagine that it's because um, there's a kind of momentum in the market. So when something is going up, 
it tends to stay going up for 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 longer periods of time. Um, so by rebalancing less often, you can kind of uh, use that momentum to get uh, to achieve a better overall performance. Gotcha. Personally, I'm 100% VWRL if it comes to ETFs, uh, so not much rebalancing to do over there. But I think for lots of people, it is interesting to approach it from that angle. Um, so I think for most investors, they'll within this community, they'll have a number of ETFs. Um, yeah, let's just say uh, they would like to test this out. Is it literally as simple as I just go on there, they click on Add Portfolio, uh, throw in the ticker numbers or symbols, add whatever percentage allocation they got over there, Clicking on save and run from there. Is that all they have to do? Yeah, yeah, that, that really sums it up. That's it. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, and if that's literally it, that's a matter of five minutes filling in information or whatever and going from there. Actually, one uh, question I got, where is your data coming from? Like in terms of returns and values, are you pulling it from a certain database, from a financial information provider or? Yes, that's a good question. Um, and that was actually it. That's actually the hardest part of uh, of doing backtests. So one thing I realized is that it's really hard to find data <laughs> of uh, of all the various funds and, and indexes. So what what I do since you know only cover index funds, so I only look at the the index data. So for instance, if you look at iShares MSCI World, for instance, it's a very very common ETF. It's you know commission free on on the Giro. And the fund was only created in 2009. So you're like, okay, well, then I can only go back to 2009. But if you go to Backtest, you see that it actually simulates back to 79. And the reason is because the MSCI index was created in 79, or I believe even 69. What, what we do is I take the, um, the date of the index, and then I just apply the total expense ratio on it, because we know that the index fund tries to track precisely the index. So by reducing by taking the the returns of the index and then subtracting the total expense ratio we can simulate um this iShares uh core msi world index uh, fund all the way back to to 69 so that's one thing uh that i want to make clear um and then so where do i get the data well i, I mostly get them from the the sites of the indexes themselves so msci has a, a flash application <laughs> which is uh, a kind of annoying to use uh, with which you can download the data for any, for any of their indexes. Same with stocks. So the European um, STOXX uh, with DAX, with uh, JP Morgan, with BNP Paribas, all those different index providers. Um, I go, just go to the websites um, and there's, usually there's a section where I can download either you know, a CSV or an Excel sheet or they display it in a chart. And then what I do then is I have all these scripts that automate all this because by now there are about uh, 260 funds, like uh, 70, 70 indexes, different indexes on backtest. And so that means, you know, every month, if I had to, every new month when there's one new data point for that month, if I have to go through, you know, 70 of those, uh, of those things and manually update it, that would take me way too much time. So now I've all scripted it. So it's basically just I run one command and within a minute, it's all done. Seriously, nice one. Um, it's really interesting to kind of listen behind your explanation. Also for me, from like a technical perspective, but in general, um, how you approach it and kind of like work around uh, the loopholes, slash limitations. 
of um, having the data either available or unavailable to yourself. Nice one, well done. And the tool is completely free to use, right? Everybody can just go on there and use it. Um, and if they have any funds to kind of, they want would like to add, they can send in a request towards yourself, right? Yeah, so it's 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 completely free. Uh, there's no login, sign up or anything. So you can save portfolios, but they're actually saved in your browser. So that means that if you, you know, if you if you go on the website on in uh, incognito mode, if you clear your cache, then those uh, portfolios will uh, will be gone. Gotcha, nice one. So Jorn, I really enjoyed this one, uh, but now I would like to spend a little bit of time on actually, well, your business and the philosophy behind it, because. Uh, earlier offline, we were already talking about it a little bit, um, but can you tell the audience a little bit about your own business, Curvo, and why you started it, and what's the purpose of it, and why it can be of interest to anybody listening to this show? Yeah, sure. So um, so Curvo is the business that me and a uh, co-founder from a previous company have started. And um, we started about, well, talking about it about a year ago. Um, so it really came from our experience of trying to start investing. And when we looked back, we're like, man, we had to do so much work. We had to read all those books. We had to figure out all those things regarding taxes in, in Belgium, for instance, where, where I live. We had to open up an account with, with a broker. We had to use that, you know, crappy software interface. We have to buy the funds every month. And then we had to, you know, know what to buy, which is probably the most, if it's going to affect, you know, the rest of your life, it's probably <laughs> a super important decision. So all these things made us realize like, well, you know, no wonder hardly anyone is, is investing in index funds because it's just, it's just so hard to get started. And, uh, you know, we had the motivation and, the, and kind of the dedication and also the interest in doing that. But most people, when asked, you know, my friends, like no one really invests the money. Most people just keep it on, on the saving account, unfortunately. And at the same time, we saw that the pension systems all throughout Europe are increasingly under pressure. So, you know, to give you some numbers, like today, 25% of all Belgians are uh, above 65. And by 2060, that will be 40%. And so the ratio of workers compared to retirees, uh, nowadays is one out of four. So there's one retiree for every four workers. And uh, 2050, that'll be a ratio of two. So two workers who have to pay for the, um, only two workers who have to pay for the retirement of, of one, one retiree. So, you know, when I, we read all that, we're like, it's a bit, you know, like, uh, it's, it's a bit scary. Like, is it actually going to be okay? Like the pensions, are we going to get um, a pension or like a sufficient high pension that we can live comfortably? So that gave us even more the impetus to, you know, to investing, uh, to start investing for ourselves and, you know, let the power of compounding do its job. And um, so that's where kind of the idea for Curvo came is, is to, to create a service that makes it so easy for a young person. So we mainly target like, you know, millennials, so people between 25 and, and 40, for them to start investing uh, without not having to, uh, you know, to read tons of books, having no financial knowledge required. They can just start, you know, from 50 euros minimum every month, uh, direct deposits, and just start saving for their future rather than keeping it all on the saving account. So that's really the problem that we're trying to uh, trying to solve. And the big thing that we see with the traditional players, like for one, like you know, different countries have different players. Like there's there's Maisman in uh, in the Netherlands or in Belgium. There's like Easyvest or uh, Birdie 
is that we saw that branding is just not great. You know, you go on the website of Maceman and you see that, you know, Mr. Maceman wearing a suit um, and he's going to tell you, you know, like he, he's the expert, he's going to tell you what to buy. Um, but that's, that whole messaging, that whole communication just doesn't resonate with, with young people. And we see, you know, around us, we, we see those, those neo banks like Revolut and 26, you know, that these really nice apps is super easy to use, very sleek. And so that, that's our inspiration. And, uh, with Curvo, we, you know, we kind of want to become the, you know, the N26 or Revolut of the long-term saving through passive investing. Which I got one question for you, which I think a lot of people would find really valuable. Are you cheaper? As in, when I look at the Mazeman website right now, um, I'm seeing that they charge uh, 50 basis points or 0.5 annually. Um, and on top of that, um, in terms of transaction cost, um, just a one-off, you'll pay uh, 0.25. Are you cheaper? Yeah, so we plan on um, on charging 0.5%, uh, just just that. So 0.5% management fee per year. So there wouldn't, there's, and that includes everything. So no fee per transaction. Gotcha. And if you look at kind of like the average around other countries, I mean, this is, I'm just quoting Maisman in the Netherlands now. What is kind of like the average rate you're seeing for like a similar service in Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, France? Um, I mean, I know in the UK, we've got a lot of robo investors that charge anywhere between like five, 0.5 to 1.2%. Would you say you guys are like on the, like really the cheapest or just one of the cheaper ones? Yeah, we, we don't aim to be the cheapest. Um, the, from the other ones I've we've looked at, it, it's it's similar range. So you know, going from 0.5 to uh, to 1.5 percent, and really the the what we think is is going to be more important is just making people aware of index investing. And yeah, for us, that's like the one thing that people that the traditional players now they're just not doing because it's it's only. A, tiny minority, you know, people like yourself and people who listen to this podcast who know about index investing and the vast majority just does not. Now, let's, for example, say, you know, I've got 5,000 euro in a bank and I want to invest 100 euro a month, for example. I come to you and I say, here's my 5,000. Here's my 100 per month deposit. Um, how does it work? Where do I invest in? Can I pick my own ETFs or is it like an automatic system, like a robo advisor that does it for me? Yeah, so it's more the latter. So again, it all comes from the assumption that the user doesn't really know, the customer doesn't really know what he, what he wants or what he needs to buy. So we, um, we ask a series of questions, mostly where we try to figure out what the, the time horizon of the customer is. Uh, is he saving for a house or is he saving for his retirement? Or, and based on that, we, uh, we recommend him a portfolio. So that's a you know, fixed portfolio. And then he chooses to, uh, yeah, to continue. If he wants to change it, he can. Uh, but we expect most people just go with the uh, the recommended one. Nice one. And do you have like a bank or a financial institution that actually does the back office part of this one? So it actually executes your orders or are you a bank yourself who buys everything and manages like an asset management company? No, indeed. So we, we work with a, a broker here in Belgium um, who does all the back office stuff. Indeed. It's uh, at this point, it's like it's already pretty tough to get started especially regarding all the regulations. Um, so it's, it's pretty heavy already. So this, you know, doing it this way allows us to, to get started earlier with less, you know, less required capital at the start to start the business. 
Nice one. And I think that's a fair approach. Um, and every, comp- you know, all the new fintech companies in Europe, you already mentioned a couple and 26 Revolut transfer wise. I think they're amazing. They make investing cheaper, money management cheaper. And that's the whole point, right? Spending less, making it more efficient, spending less time on it as well. And hopefully having more left in the end and whatever company does that for us or allows us to do it. I am totally up for it because just literally leaving your money in the bank for 0.5 or whatever, it's just, that's simply a waste. So good on you for working on this one. And in terms of actually getting um, to the website, could you potentially mention where do people go if they would like to learn more about actual company and your backtesting tool? Sure. So the um, the website of the company is curvo.eu, so C-U-R-V-O.eu. The website for backtest is backtest.curvo.eu. Um, so you can go from one to the other and vice versa. <laughs> Nice one. And I see at this very moment on the actual website, you, you haven't launched yet, right? It's, you can join a watch list uh, or sorry, a wait list. And from there, you'll like, is there a timeline on when actual service will go online? Yes, indeed. So we're still working on the, um, uh, getting, so we're in the process now of getting the license and we're also in the process of, of building out the uh, the actual product. And uh, our timeframe is to launch in January. So January, 2020. Nice one. Jorn, thank you so much for uh, also giving us just a really an explanation on why this is of value, how backtesting works, giving us a bunch of tools of actually doing it and starting this company. So thank you so much for coming onto the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really liked, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are not enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Five Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project, to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.